Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome everyone to the Blue Day podcast and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day and especially today after what happened yesterday, I am in a blue mood. I am your host, the man with a faith for podcasting, Keith Lawrence and here is my co-host, he is the Londoner living it large up north, he's Chris Sutton's number one fan, it's Warren. Warren, welcome to the show. Thank you very much Keith, it is indeed a blue day but... It's not all bad. We have to look on the positive side of things. It is not all bad. It's not. No, it's, it's definitely not. It's something we're going to obviously touch upon about um, in the show when we're reviewing the Liverpool game and looking ahead to the Barnsley and West Brom games that it's certainly not all negative, no. Of course. Um, firstly, before we start the show, I would like to apologise uh, to all the listeners from last week's episode for the terrible, utter terrible audio that that you probably might have uh, noticed from last week's episode, both from myself and my co-host. For the past week, we have worked hard to try and improve that particular area, so bear with us. Uh, but speaking on improving a particular area, shall we kick off what what happened yesterday? I mean, in regards to what's going to be on the show, ladies and gentlemen, before we do start with the review, we are going to review the Chelsea-Liverpool game. We will talk about one particular person, but we're also going to talk about some Chelsea news some bits and bobs that have been floating about the last week or so. We're also going to uh, preview two games that are coming up this week, the Chelsea-Barnsley match for the League Cup on Wednesday night at Stamford Bridge and the Saturday evening kickoff against West Bromwich Albion, which will be an interesting one, especially if a former Chelsea defender plays against us. But uh, Warren, like I said, my friend, welcome to the show. Shall we kick it off with what happened yesterday? Yeah, well, um, I think last week we discussed a lot of the Brighton game and sort of actually mentioned the elephant in the room, so to speak. We we sort of arrived at Kepa last on the list because we were trying to look at all the other positives and stuff. I'm afraid, obviously, we're going to have to start there this week. It was a dreadful mistake and it's the kind of thing that can happen to a goalkeeper because of... The thing is, if another goalkeeper comes in, we can't necessarily expect him not to make that mistake. It's just that Kepa, with his life on the line, so to speak, 
can't be the one to make that mistake. He has to go long or make sure that he makes a different kind of pass or he he needs to be more focused. He needs to be more clinical the way he comes out and takes his first touch before he passes it or something. He needs to... It, it, was, it was an awful, awful mistake and it can't be ignored now. I, I, I mean, I've, I've touched upon this with a few Chelsea fans in the last... 24 hours or so um, that if he if if we had assigned a goalkeeper a couple of weeks ago and they would have come in and taken the number one spot Kepa could have gone out and known for a season two or two built his confidence built his form and come back a different goalkeeper I think he almost has too much history now too much has happened now I think it's the end of Kepa completely too much water under that bridge Unfortunately, yeah, I think he, especially I think, when yeah. we go back to Sari's um, reign at, at the club as well, well as he was. Too, he, he wasn't. Too, he wasn't too bad under Sari. I, I, I think that he was only Edison and Allison kept more clean sheets than him in the league that season. I don't think that was necessarily the problem. I think there was bigger problems surrounding the club at that time than Kepa. So maybe it went a little bit unnoticed, perhaps. But yeah, it's too much has happened I think I think he's been hung out to dry a little bit I think it, it has to be said I think with all the signings that we've made to have not brought in a goalkeeper by now I think Kepa's been hung out to dry but that is his job so obviously I don't think that he's going to be playing too much for us anymore Here is a question for you you've seen Chelsea many many times over the years is Kepa the worst Chelsea goalkeeper of all time? No absolutely not No. Absolutely. Who is then? Uh, I would say that Neil Sullivan was worse. Um, I if you compare the amount of games that yeah, okay, but, played... But the, 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 the difference is is that the expectation level is completely different and the the level of player that he's playing against on average is completely different. I mean, the, 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 the strength in depth in the Premier League when I watched Chelsea against Oldham in 1993 is completely different to when I saw... Chelsea played Leicester in 2019. You know, it's you know Oldham finished in a position that was probably not too dissimilar to where Leicester n- normally finished. But the difference is like the difference is immense, and the expectation level is completely different. And he's a very young goalkeeper that was slapped with this huge price tag. I think that it's, the pressure that he was under was slightly ignored, and he's never had a solid defence, especially in front of him. But if that was the create the creation of his downfall, he certainly put, like you know hammered his own grave down in he you know he put his own headstone above himself in he because of the mistakes that he's made, and that can't be ignored no more. It can't be defended no more. Everything I've said has almost been in defence of him. He's, it's indefendable now. You you can't do that again. You can't do that against anyone, let alone fucking Liverpool. I think it was the way it was done as well. The fact that he did it a number of times yesterday where he just looked so lackadaisical when it came to distributing the ball from the back. And whether or not it was lack of concentration, lack of confidence, or both. I think, I, think it was, I think it was a lack of confidence being portrayed in a way that he was trying to almost act nonchalant like he wasn't under pressure. Yes. I think he was trying to behave in a way like he wasn't under pressure, whereas he should have been a player that you can tell he's under a bit of pressure, the sort of goalkeeper that just makes sure every single time and makes sure he doesn't make a mistake and makes sure that when he comes out and he's going to claim the ball, you know, just somebody who doesn't try to do anything fancy, you know, like an old-fashioned, 
like like a left back that's been really bang out of form, what he will do first is make sure he's defensively in the right position and does the right thing and get, doesn't get beaten on the inside or the outside, doesn't allow any crosses in. And then, as he grows in confidence, he get he starts going forward and making more passes and trying to make crosses and runs and things like that. And that's what Kepa needed to do. He needed to do everything he needed to do as a goalkeeper, then worry about trying to play out from the back. And he didn't do it. And it was his chance to do it, and he fucked it up. And, you know, he's made too many mistakes now. He needs to get out of my, out of my team for a little while, I'm afraid, because... It can't. It can't. It's happened way too many times, you know. And I have tried to support him so much. And if he plays again, I will support him again. And I will say okay, and I won't give him a hard time and all the rest of it. And I'll try and support him. Of course, I will. I support anybody who puts a Chelsea top on as long as they're giving their best. But he's just so low on confidence. He can't play no more, Keith. I don't, mm. I don't know what to say. He can't play no more at the minute. I think his confidence is completely shot and he looks like a player that doesn't want to play. From the look of his facial expressions from yesterday, when they did close-ups of him, he just looked like a player that wanted to get off the pitch. And yeah, wanted I don't to... think he doesn't care though. No, 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 it's not that. Effect- I think he's just been so affected by this. Yes. And that's what I mean about he's been left out, he's been hung out to dry a little bit, you know, because... He's in the firing line. I think that he could have had a bit of protection from the club and I think he could have had a bit of protection from Frank and Jody and stuff. I think he could have had a bit more protection from Petr Cech, who you know, knows better than any one of them. But all that being said, it's his job and he's still a professional goalkeeper and he gets paid a lot of money and he should be able to pass the ball out. He should, well, be, able to save that. He should be able to save that, that goal against Brighton. It's you made a good point. Um, my main question that came out of the game last night, I mean, and we and we will talk about different players as well as this. You know, I don't want this to be the Kepper show all of a sudden. No, no, no. I certainly don't want. In that. regards I don't to, think Chelsea, I don't think Chelsea fans want that either. No, 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 no. But in regards to Kepper, let's. I just want to leave, maybe leave it on this just a little bit. I just want to get your thoughts, but I also want to get other people's thoughts. So if you do have thoughts on what happened yesterday, if you do have thoughts on the game and Kepa's future, please get in touch with us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, the Blue Day Podcast. We did get some feedback uh, after yesterday's game that was quite telling and you know is pretty much what every Chelsea fan was thinking but if if you do want to have your views aired and shared please get in touch but Warren I just want to sort of put it to you this particular question who's at fault for the way Kepa is performing at the moment who is at fault for Kepa's mistakes now I just want to give you some options you know for, for you to have a think about obviously you just spoke about Kepa himself but should Frank Lampard have some blame for this? Uh, yes. Okay. Should the club be at fault? No. Why not? Because the club, Peter Cech, Petr Cech, beg your pardon, could have perhaps taken a little bit more responsibility. Perhaps he did behind the scenes. I'm not sure. He certainly didn't publicly do it and there's never been any real suggestion that he has. But apart from the club, that, the club is there for the infrastructure of the club. That it's there as the infrastructure for the football team and for the football management to operate in the way that they do. The reason that players don't have to worry about selling the club and selling tickets and all the rest of it is because they train hard to do that and provide that. And then the club 
takes care of everything else. So I think that the club appoints the staff for the team and then that directly leads to the employment of the players. So I think that it's about management and responsibilities. And I think the responsibilities of players and players' form and players' confidence and players' happiness comes down to the staff, the, the first team and the first team management. It comes down to all of the players. And I don't just mean players' form and players' mistakes that people are making. I'm talking about the way that they handle Kepper as well. And, you know, different managers have different styles. Jose Mourinho is the kind of manager that you need a very specific person to play under him. I don't necessarily want that, you know, a lot of different, although they might be the same style, lots of different characters play for Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola and, you know, the Carlo Ancelotti's and the Alex Ferguson's and the Wenger's and people like that, because people want to play for these clubs, not just to be really, really competitive and win everything, but because they want to be, have a happy life as well. So I think that comes down to the management, the manager, the management and the team themselves. Um, I don't put it down to the club or the hierarchy or any of that, no. Okay, now let me put my sort of take on it. I do agree with you on 90% of what you've just said, but I just want to sort of put it to the other side. I just want to sort of flip the coin a little bit. When Frank dropped Kepa the first time round at the end of sort of last season, it was that period where he started to play Caballero in goal. Yeah. If he knew at that point that Kepa was not going to be his number one, why didn't we go out the day after the cup final when we lost to Arsenal? Why didn't we go out the day after that game and sign a world-class keeper? Why have we still dragged it out to the point where the transfer window finishes in not months but weeks and we are still yet to announce this new goalkeeper that's been on the radar for the last few weeks. So that's my sort of perspective on it. Why have we taken so long? And with all due respect, we're signing Mendy. We're not exactly sort of it's, signing... It's a really valid, it is a really, really valid point, Keith. And I think it's a question that a lot of Chelsea fans have kind of been asking, because, especially because of the investment that we've made and the players that we've signed and the wages and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that... Frank's thinking was Man City built a really, really good team then signed a goalkeeper. Liverpool kind of done the same. Chelsea almost done the same. Like they brought in a lot of a lot of players that Mourinho had in the first team were kind of already there or Ranieri had actually signed, sort of thing. And then he signed Petr Cech and like that was like and, and Carvalho and that was kind of the difference. And then Liverpool signed um Van Dijk and Addison and City had company and then they signed Edison. I think that's kind of the way he thought. He kind of thought that I could sort of build from the front kind of thing. And I also think that he sees enough in Kepper in training to know that he really is a really, really good goalkeeper. Maybe he's not that next level of goalkeeper that we need, but I think he thought it would be enough. And that's what I mean about he's he's hung him out to dry a little bit. Like he's taken a bit of a risk, uh, maybe a calculated risk, I guess. But it's, it's backfired, hasn't it? And I think he's almost hesitant to announce Mendy because he's like, oh, fucking hell, really, I need a black, don't I? Well, this is why I was saying about is Frank to blame because you made good points about Klopp and Guardiola. When Guardiola first came to City, he brought in Claudio Bravo. He had a season. He didn't do well enough. 
they then yeah. went out and signed Edison. Yeah. They made that a priority signing. Yeah. Klopp went to Liverpool. I think they he signed had... Laporte as well. Sorry, I think they signed Laporte, and he was fit for about two thirds of that season, and he looked awesome. Mm. But in regards to goalkeepers, you had Klopp, who came into the club, and he had Carius. Mignolet. And Mignolet. Yeah. They both made mistakes. He goes out and he buys a world-class goalkeeper. And you look where Liverpool and City are now. And Van Dijk he signed as well. Yeah. So they've, they've signed players as well as signing top goalkeepers. But, but my... Build, but, sorry to cut you off there, Keith. But after building their forward line first, both of them teams, when they signed Van Dijk and Alisson and Edison and blah, 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 they already had Sterling, Aguero, Jesus, Mares, De Bruyne, Silva, and then Liverpool already had Firmino, Mane, Salah. Do you know what I mean? So, well, I'm of, I am, I am of the opinion where you always build the foundations from the back. I don't believe you build it from the front. But my 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 point is this: the fact that both keepers, both Klopp and Guardiola, sorry, looked at their goalkeeper situation, thought. The goalkeepers are not good enough to win me league titles and Champions Leagues, so I'm going to go out and buy the very best. We had the opportunity this summer, after the cup final, when we relied on a 38-year-old against Arsenal, and we're still waiting for someone to replace Kepa. In my honest opinion, Frank is not faultless at this point. I think Frank, you know, if he was going to drop him once, and Kepa made a mistake, you then drop him again, and he hasn't done. And I think the club is massively to blame for this cock-up. I mean, they were at fault for signing him in the first place, but the fact that they have yet to have replaced Kepa is a huge concern for me. You know, I'm not saying that we should never have signed Timo Werner. I'm not saying we should never have gone out and spent over £70 million on Kai Havertz. But if we want to compete... Yes, we've bought great players going forward, but and as we sort of saw yesterday, we might have the very best players going forward, but it's at the back where we need to tighten up because a lot of the mistakes we had last season, they're still there. Well, other than well, no, I don't know because I feel like yesterday, what we did yesterday, that we never done last season at any point of any game was. We controlled a game from a defensive point of view. Liverpool didn't... When we had 11 men on the pitch, Liverpool didn't open us up once. They never looked like scoring. I don't really remember Kepa making a save apart from maybe one shot that was like straight at him. And I think Wijnaldum had a shot that went a bit wide. And We didn't look like... Liverpool was sort of like dictating the pace of the game and where the game was being played. But they wasn't dictating the ball to us. And they wasn't, and we looked like we was potentially dangerous on the counter attack. Werner looked like he's getting a little bit fit all the time, and we were missing key players in key areas. And I think that's the point: we were missing key players in key areas. And until the ridiculous red card, ridiculous red card, like it's definitely a red card. I'm not just sure hang that pause for one minute. I just want to finish on the Kepa figure, then and then we will move on to the game itself. I just want to. Push he was on. the only one who really made a mistake, Kepper and Christiansen, though. I will be surprised if I will be surprised if Kepper ever plays again. But I just want to end it on this point: if Athletic Bilbao are looking for a goalkeeper for their upcoming season, you can have Kepper on a free. But is there any chance of a refund? If there's anybody out there that is a represent, representative of Athletic Bilbao, speak to that. Chelsea. 
is there any way we can have a refund? Because I believe we are desperately in need of that money back. But let's just move to the game itself, because like I said, I don't want to make this the Kepa show. Nah. Yeah, Warren, your thoughts on the starting eleven? I know you mentioned some of the players that were playing, but just just yeah. tell just tell us sort of quickly your thoughts, and then we'll um, sort of get on with what well, happened in so regards to these the I sending was, off. Was I was a little bit surprised that you know Havertz in the false nine and Mount playing wide again and stuff like that. I was the re- the reason I was a little bit surprised a bit because I thought if you're going to play Werner slightly more to the left of the centres or if he's going to float between left and right sort of thing but if he's going to mainly be out on the left you might as well have Giroud through the middle you know and then Havertz even playing off of them and then that way we could have had three central midfielders and we could have flooded the midfield a little bit while still having options down the wings to cover off their attack and stuff and we could have flooded the midfield a bit more which what I think could have helped us a bit more so I was surprised but that's the way that that's, that's the formation that Lampard wants to play, and that's the way that he wants to play, and he wants to drill it into the team, and he knows them people, that, them players are going to come back in your Pulisic's and your Zayic's, and uh, again, I'm surprised Hudson Odoi didn't even start. He must really not be showing it in training. But um, other than that, I don't think we've done a lot wrong. I mean, Kovacic and Jorginho in the first half broke the press of Liverpool a couple of times. Like I mentioned before, Werner started to look sharp. Obviously, Havertz, unfortunately, had to be sacrificed because of the ridiculous red card. But Zuma won some good headers. Rhys James looked solid. Alonso looked solid enough, really. I think Arnold only really got past him once. It was a good performance. We'd done what we couldn't do last season, which was not concede a goal for a period of time. Last season, when we really needed to not concede, we conceded twice. <laughs> it seemed like. Whereas, before the Kepa, before the red card... We didn't look like that. And we looked like we might have had options going forward. And you could see that if Pulisic and Zayec were in the team, where we had nearly moments yesterday, there'll be goals soon. There'll be goals. I saw so many positives in that first half. And that, that's what I mean. This is playing against a team that we're expected to lose against. When we, If we've got a fully fit team against a team like a West Brom or someone like that, and we really, really turn up, no disrespect to a team like West Brom, you know, like thoroughly professional outfit, like good manager and stuff, just signed an absolute legend. So, like, no disrespect to them, but if we can turn up with a full squad against them and really, really play well, I saw enough from little snippets yesterday that we can tear teams apart. Don't worry about that, Chelsea fans. It's coming. It's coming, and I know I'm positive about that. I know that it's coming. This is the quiet before the storm, and I think the Premier League should watch out. My thoughts on the starting eleven uh, are quite brief. I was not surprised that Matteo Kovacic was back in the side because I believe we did miss him against Brighton. Yeah, he played well. And I wasn't surprised that there wasn't many changes, you know, in regards to other personnel. I wasn't surprised that Hudson Odoi was not in the squad or Tammy, you know, for instance. But I 100% with you in regards to Timo Werner. If you're going to play him on the left and you're up against a Liverpool side with only one recognised centre-back in Van Dijk, yes, Fabinho is a defensive player, but he's not a centre-back. It was easy for him yesterday. Fabinho was made to look like a good centre-back yesterday. Yes, I would have played Giroud. If you're going to play Timo Werner on the left, you play Giroud up top. Yeah. The last thing, I, the last, my final thoughts, excuse me, my final thought on the starting 11, and, you know, whether or not this is 
the beginning of the end for him? I don't know. But where was the captain? That's two games in a row now that Mr. Aspilicueta has in missed. My, in, in, and my, in my notes, in capital letters, I have written Dave, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mm. mark, because I was quite surprised. I mean... Reese James and Alonso played well enough that I don't think Dave would have made a particular difference apart from maybe his leadership and his voice on the pitch. Maybe that would have made a difference, of course. But I don't know. Maybe it's because he's one of the older players and with the lockdown and then the quick restart and everything, maybe Frank's just protecting him because it's a long season ahead. I believe that is most probably what is going on because if Azpilicueta was sort of told, and Frank, I think, would be honest, and I think if Azpilicueta was told he's not going to be in the team that much, I think Azpilicueta would have considered moving on because he's at that stage in his career where he might only have one big move left in him, kind of like a Willian or a Pedro or someone like that. You know, they only have one big move left in them. So I think he may just be protecting him a little bit. And I think also Reese James deserves his chance. And I think he wants a left footer at left back. I don't think he wants to play Azpilicueta over there. I think he wants it- Azpilicueta at right back. Is it too early to suggest that Rhys James has overtaken Cesar for the right back spot? I mean, we did. I mean, we did all I, I sort of see last season that it could happen. I think it's too. I think it's like, too. I think it's too early, but I don't necessarily think it's incorrect to assume that. I think mm. the, the transition period has certainly come from last season. Rhys James was as pretty understudy. Now I'd almost put them at equal, and because Frank likes the youth and everything, and because of their style of play. I think that Reese James has a bit of an advantage at the minute. But I also think that Aspidaqueta is being protected to a certain point at the start of the season because it's a long season ahead and people like Aspidaqueta and Jorginho are going to be pivotal this season because of their experience. OK, so, though, that, so that was my thoughts on the start of the 11. But my first half notes, and again, they are brief, so they will be quick. I think my first note would, was they... In regards to how Chelsea played and the transition when we had the ball and then a lot of the times when we did not have the ball that we were chasing the other Liverpool players about, you know, chasing our own shadows. With how we played, with how we set up, I do not believe, and I'm going back to when we played Liverpool at Stamford Bridge, there is no way, and I'll be very, very surprised if someone changes my mind on this, would be that we would not have played like we did yesterday if there was 41, 42,000 Chelsea fans there. Yeah, I, I suppose it did seem pretty negative, but I suppose it was... With the roar it, of the it, Matthew it was, Hardy it was, stands... It was, need, with, it, was need, it was needs must. Look, listen, we done it under Mourinho and won the league and nobody complained. Only other teams. we done it against Barcelona and Bayern Munich and won Champions League and nobody's ever complained. I've never rewatched that match the 150 million times that I have and rewatched the big moments and the the, the job for gold and the penalty and everything. I've never sat there and thought, oh yeah, but we didn't play free flowing attacking football. I don't. I I honestly don't give a shit how we win. I want to win. I literally, you know. And I suppose that's a little bit of Mourinho mentality. And I love the direction that Frank and Jody are taking the club in. And I love the style of football that we're going to be playing. Like I said, like everybody, this is the quiet before the storm. I think that we're going to explode. And I, you know, I love the way that we played under Ancelotti. Scored 103 goals in the season. Oh God, it's fantastic! Like under Conte, winning was it like was it 13, 14, 15 games in a row, whatever it was. And like, oh yeah, these things are fantastic. But you know, records don't win things. 
Like Adam, like Adam Shearer scored two hundred and Premier sixty Premier League goals. He should have won ten Premier League titles. He won one. Like that's that's what it says. Harry Kane has scored all these goals, but he's never won fuck all because he's always played for Tottenham. Like <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't. I I know what you mean, Keith. I know what you mean. I'm not sort of. I don't mean to sort of like stomp over your point because I think it's a valid point that if there was fans in the game, maybe we would have approached the game a little bit differently. I think the players automatically react to it. I don't think it's necessarily the players' fault. I think that the players automatically react to it when fans are back in the stadium and I think it will be a lot of... What was it? Was it 11 of the 17 Premier League games since the restart, since the start of the new season, have been won by the away team? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Yeah, so I think that, you know, it's... You can't really blame the players for that because it's the same for every. It's, 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 it happens to be the same for everyone. So I know what you mean, Keith. I do, but at the same time, it wouldn't bother me if if I was in the stadium and we played like that one one nil. I think with the sending off, obviously changed the game. So with how we played the second half, I can completely understand why we played like that. But then. If you've got, like I said, if you've got the roar of the Matthew Harding crowd behind you, if you've got the shed rocking, you know, there would not be a case of, oh, we'll just sit back and allow them to play. And when we when we do have the ball, you know, not to push up a few yards up the pitch. And yeah, but we're, not, sitting, that, deep, that sort we're, of we're old... sitting deeper. We're sitting deeper to protect Kepa from the crosses and against Arnold and Robinson that's what you need to do because they will be whipping them in. And again, that's the circumstance of the goalkeeper, which obviously needs to be changed. Um, and I think the keeper being changed and putting us in a situation where we can play that little bit higher and stop long shots, but risk a few more balls coming in. I think Zuma proved yesterday that he can deal with crosses coming in. I think in the Brighton game as well, he proved himself as being able to be someone who can deal with balls coming in. I think by by changing the keeper, it allows us to do that. It was negative. It was it was more of an away performance. It was more of an away Champions League performance. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in the Premier League because the Premier League, even though it's still played at the pace it always has been played at, it is becoming a more European continental style football. Do you know what I mean? So I think we're going to be seeing a bit more of that, like almost negative to be positive because of the counter-attacking pace that we're going to have with Werner and Pulisic. When we can start playing, popping balls in behind, and Kovacic played a lovely ball to get Werner through, and Fabinho dealt with it quite well, but that's that's what we're going to be seeing. Kovacic stepping up a little bit when the defence is a little bit higher when the keeper's been changed. And that's another reason I'm positive looking forward, because I know good things are coming. Here's a question that... Some Chelsea fans, and I have heard this on social media platforms and I've sort of listened to it on the radio while travelling to work this morning, but do you think that we would play a counter-attacking style if we had all players available, like the Pulisic's, like no, the Ziyech? No, no. Do you I... think that we would still be having 11 men behind the ball against the Liverpool and City, no. or do you think that we would actually go out to attack? Well, no, we'd, actually, to... we'd have options to attack. We'd have options to attack. It wouldn't be Havertz in a false nine, Mount covering Robertson, and then Werner against Van Dijk, Fabinho, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jordan Henderson, and then, you know, Wijnaldum when he dropped in as well. It wouldn't be a five or a six on one. Their, they, their players would be an awful lot more spread out because we would have Pulisic and Zayic and Werner stretching all of their players for a start. And then we'd have 
three more central midfielders. Like if Havertz dropped a little bit deep to get the ball, he would take someone like a Henderson with him, which would leave the space in behind for a Kante or a Kovacic or a Mount or a Loftus-Cheek or a Barkley to, to run into. Do you know what I mean? Which allows us to play higher up. And I think that's what Lampard's working towards. He just hasn't quite got the personnel, i.e. the wingers, which is why I know I sound like a broken record. I'm still shocked that, especially because Werner played from the left, that there wasn't a focal point in Giroud. And I'm still surprised. And it must be down to how he's trained in and the fact that his head's been turned. I can't think of too many other reasons why Callum Hudson-Odoi wouldn't be in the team. So... I think once he gets the personnel back, we're going to see such a massive change in Chelsea. I just know it. And I just, you know, I'm impatient for it to happen because I want to, I want to have said it and for everybody to have heard it here first, like almost, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, we're going to really, really turn a corner. I'm sure we are. And it's all going to come from personnel coming back. And we should really note as well that, you know, Kai Havertz has not been training with the club for two weeks yet. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he he's has played, played two big yeah, games. Yeah, he's been played out of position twice and he only had half a game when we had a player. Mm. That second half could have been a different story. Liverpool would have had to have been a bit more expressive and taken a few more risks. There was a few times in the first half that even Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville commented, commented on it that, oh, if Chelsea were to nick the ball now, you know, Liverpool could be in real trouble here. And that's why... It was seeing things like that that made me realise what Frank's trying to do and what he was trying to do yesterday. And and in the second half, Liverpool would have had to have been a little bit even more excessive. They would have had to have pressed even more and taken slightly, you know, a few more risks. Who's to say that? Who's to say that we don't get that penalty at nil nil and Jorginho goes the other way and scores? Like, do you know what I mean? So I don't think that it was until the red card that 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 changed the whole. The whole game, it just completely changed. It's a different game. It's a different. It's a different day. It's a different match. I am glad you brought that up. Shall we talk about it just quickly? Yeah. Firstly, well, do you believe it was a red card? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can't see how anybody would question think, that decision. No, I think Kepa might have actually got there, possibly. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's that, that's one for you know people like <laughs> physics physics experts that discuss but I mean I feel like Kepa might have potentially got there the thing is if Christiansen comes round with his leg and tries to play the ball or makes it look like he's trying to play the ball and takes Manny down he probably gets a yellow card that far out Kepa coming out is Manny going to get to the ball there's enough variables there to make the referee think right I'm not 100% sure I'm going to give a yellow card but he literally just jumped on him it's like he thought it was Lawrence Delalio <laughs> he jumped on him like a cheater on a gazelle and it was like absolutely ridiculous it was absolutely a ridiculous red card because even if Manny gets the ball and goes round him and scores, we are still in the game, right? Because that would have been the only moment that Liverpool opened us up. And there was a few, we had as many nearly moments as Liverpool basically did. So it was just a case of nipping the ball at the right moment. And we had the talent on the pitch, the Kovacic's, the Jorginho's, the Werner's, the Havertz, the Mounts, the Reese Jameses, the Kante's. Like we had the pl- personnel on the pitch if it fell to the right player in the right moment, we could have nicked the goal and won. And we could have, and what and this this whole conversation would be completely different. This whole podcast would be completely different. And that's why I'm taking the positives from it because we're we're getting closer all the time. You're too positive. That's your problem. <laughs> you are you are too positive. You'll, regards... never, you'll never find me any other way. I was positive under Sarri when Sarri was getting stick and yes, I questioned his formations and I questioned his tactics and I questioned his strategy and his 
I questioned his starting eleven because that's why we love football because we've all got an opinion on it. So that's you know I questioned everything he did, but I like still was thinking okay, well you know we're in a League Cup final, we're still in Europe, and at the moment we're still in the top four. Oh, okay, so we lost the League Cup final, unlucky on penalties, but do you know what? It's April now. We're actually in the semi-finals of Europe, and we're sitting. We're actually we're actually third now. Oh wait a minute, we've actually finished third, and we've just stuffed Arsenal in the Europa League final. And uh, well, like you know, what the fuck am I moaning about? Like, is my is my wallet too small for my fifties, and my diamond shoes are too tight? Of course, I'm going to be positive. We are like just unbelievably successful. I am so lucky to have to support this football club and to have grown up around this football club and to have the passion that I have for this football club because it's it's, it's absolutely fantastic and I couldn't imagine it being any other way and, and I wouldn't care what division we was in. But the fact that we are at the top all of the time, like we're not at the... So we had a bad performance yesterday. We've just signed Havertz and Werner and Ben Chilwell and Thiago Silva and like... <laughs> like, how could I not be positive? Like Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard is, is is the manager of Chelsea Football Club. What else do you want from life? Well, I think we do have to put it into into perspective as well. It could be a lot worse. We could be West Ham at this moment in time. We could be we West could Ham. We could be Tottenham. Even we though they won yesterday, we could still be Tottenham. I still refuse to even think about watching that all-or-nothing documentary bollocks. But... We have touched on the red card. It certainly changed the game in my eyes. And I believe that, you know, again, Christensen making that mistake. A lot of people want him out of the club. They feel that he's a liability. You know, a lot of quite damning comments made about him from social media about him yesterday, which I thought was kind of harsh. But was it a good time to play Liverpool? I thought on the surface of it, yes, because I, I thought there were a lot of weaknesses in Liverpool's last Premier League game. But on on the evidence of it, you know, we were ourselves, and this is where I'm probably getting your positive mindset from, we were missing five first-team players that yeah. I believe would get in the side all day long. Yeah. You know, we're missing half a team. And again, Frank did make the point. We haven't had a pre-season. Frank, and he did actually touch on this with the interviews afterwards, whether or not the board are seeing it the way he is, I don't know. But Frank's seeing these first few games as pre-season. Yeah. Because he's trying to gel Havertz and Werner together with the likes of Mount, Jorginho and Kovacic. He hasn't had a chance to do that. So when the likes of Pulisic, who hopefully this will be his only injury this season, when he comes back and he will gel with Timo Werner and Havertz, etc., then, as you say, we will hopefully see the best of Chelsea this season. We will hopefully see the investment ploughed in by Roman coming in and getting the results that will make us not win the league because I'm not expecting us to win the league but compete and for us to challenge and make Liverpool and City think this time next year oh shit Chelsea are now a force to be reckoned with so I think we do have to look on the positives of that just sort of as conclusion because again you know a lot of people are a little bit disappointed with yesterday I'm disappointed with yesterday but I just want to touch on one for me, it was the one positive 
that came out of yesterday's game. And Warren, I think you probably will know this. Timo Werner's performance. Well, yeah, he, he he started to look a bit sharper. Again, he couldn't, he didn't have the players around him. He had to, he had way too much to deal with. He had way too much quality defensive-minded players and all in the right positions at the right time. And there wasn't other people to pull people out of position for him and stuff like that. He couldn't do it all on his own, unfortunately. But yeah, he looked he looked that extra little bit sharper for that little bit longer yesterday. He done well to win the penalty. Obviously, it was a definite penalty. Forced Tr going into a silly little mistake there. You know, he, he, you know, Vernon knew exactly what he was doing. He's either going to get his shot away or he was going to get his heels clipped. He was in complete control of that situation. So that's two penalties. He's won in two games now. Yeah, like you know, obviously we we, we know his talents. We, we we know his talents, and it's just gonna. It's not going to take him very long to be banging in the goals and getting the assists every single week. The goals know. will come. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. I think I yeah. think I do. I don't just think the goals will come. I think they're coming imminently. You know, I really think that we're going to look back on the first ten games at some on this podcast at some point in the in the not too distant future, and we're going to say, "Wow, he actually really hit the ground running." Like, like, like we keep going on about, nobody's had a pre-season and stuff, and there's a lot of new faces in the club, and most of them are not in the team. So, yeah. It's all it's it's still all positive for me. It was a bad it was a bad result. It wasn't really the worst performance, especially given the circumstances. The one obviously thing that stands out is the mistake from Kepa and Yeah. Looking forward to the next couple of games. Well, I'm glad you said that because I'd like to now change the course of this podcast. I'd like to change the course of this episode. Yes, you know, again, like I said before, we are disappointed about the Liverpool game, but great thing about football is there's always another game yeah there's always another game so we do have a game believe it or not on Wednesday in the League Cup against Barnsley which believe it or not to some viewers we actually lost to Barnsley the last time we met Indeed. in the FA Cup do you remember that Warren uh yeah 2008 1-0 that's right uh Kudicini was in goal that's correct do you remember who the uh the coach was Avram Grant Yes. Oh, don't test my knowledge, Keith. You're losing every time. <laughs> one week I will, and you will get it wrong. Yeah, I'm sure one week you will. I'm sure one week you'll get me on a really, really obscure one. But I think as a, I think I've done quite well there to pull all them. I'm, I'm trying to think of the the uh, goal scorer for Barnsley because remember the cross came over from the right hand side. Kudicini went up for it, and I feel like it, his name was it began with like an A or an I or something. I think he was quite a young lad. And he sort of like headed it almost out of Kudicini's hand. The Barnsley fans went crazy. Like I do remember it. Was it fourth or fifth round? Did Barnsley also knock out Liverpool that year? Barnsley Two. knocked out Liverpool the round before. Yeah, was it Ben Howard who scored for Barnsley that day? Howard scored against Liverpool. For Barnsley, yeah. For Barnsley, it was Odijayi. Yeah, who scored against us, yeah. Against Howard us, scored yes. against Liverpool. And Howard scored against Liverpool, yes. Yeah. Barnsley won it's, Chelsea yes. nil, FA Cup 2008. Do you remember that game? I do, yeah. Was it the 71st minute or something like that? So, it's something like that, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, I do remember watching that game. It was on BBC on a Sunday night. Do you remember the team? Uh, wow, well, I called Cudicini in goal. Uh, I suppose back then, I mean, there would have been a lot of changes, so there's going to be a few randomers in there. So, 
Oh, you you are so wrong, Warren. It's unbelievable. I have I have the team in front of me. What here. is it? A strong team, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a, it's okay, a strong. No, let me go through it then. Let me go through it then. So Cudicini. Yes. Uh, Boswinger. No. Okay, so don't tell me, but that's my right back guess, right? But I got that wrong. Uh, I would say uh, Ashley Cole. No. John Terry. Yes. Uh, Mikel. No, Mikel was on the bench. Sen. Sen played. Yes. Balak. Balak played. Yes. Kalu. Kalu was on the bench, but he came on. Maluda. Maluda started. Yes. Shevchenko. Nope. Dropper. No. Right, just take me through the team then. Cause I've got right, this is the team. Right, this this is the team. Okay, we've got Kudachidi in goal. That's the one. That's the only one I was certain. That's on. the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One out of one. Right, move on. 100%. You ain't going to retire after that. Giuliano Belletti at right uh, back. Ah, uh, yes. JT. Yeah. Carvalho. Oh. Uh, Wayne Breach. Ah, uh, Wayne Breach, Wayne Breach. Steady. Michael Essien. Yeah. Michael Ballack. Yeah. Florin Maluda. Yeah. Sean Wright Phillips. Uh-huh. Nicholas Anelka. Uh, and Joe Cole. Joe Cole. See, now I was going to say Joe Cole, but I said Kalu instead. Kalu came on and Claudio Pizarro came on. Claudio Pizarro. What a ledge. The one-hit wonder. What a legend. Do you remember the last time that we played Barnsley at Oakwell in the Premier League? I do. I do as well, obviously. You was there, I bet, wasn't you? No, unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't. No, unfortunately, I wasn't. But we won 6-0. Viali got four. Dennis Wise got one. And Petrescu got one. And we won 6-0. And it was part of playing three consecutive away games at the start of the season. We played Barnsley, then we played Wimbledon and won 2-0. Um, I think it was Di Matteo and someone else, God, I can't remember. Um, and then we played another away game as well because we the shedding wasn't fixed. That's right, it yes. It wasn't finished, so our first home game was against Southampton and Dan Petrescu scored that lovely goal. We won 4-2. I was at that game. Okay, back to the Barnsley. Sorry, sorry, yeah. No, 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 no. Hang on. Chelsea losing. I thought I'd also mention to our viewers we did beat them six 0 the time before that. No, (laughs) I'm actually, I'm actually going to talk about that. It was Barnsley nil, Chelsea six. Yes. Okay. You was right about Viali scoring four goals, and ladies and gentlemen, if you've never seen Gianluca Viali play, wow. You know he was a magnificent striker. Yes, we sort of had him. Probably past his peak a little bit, you know, but he was still a fantastic striker. But the goal scorers that day, you've actually got one wrong. Was it Poyet, not Petrescu? Bang on. It was Gustavo Poyet, yes. Yeah, yeah, do you know what? Now that it's... Yeah, I know. I'm really disappointed. We're it out, don't worry. <laughs> oh, believe! Oh, by the way, I do actually have the squad for that day as well. Would you like me to quickly go through it? I bet I can. Uh, well, Ed De Hoy. Ed De Hoy in goal, yes. Marcel Desailly. No. Okay, Frank Leboeuf. Nope. Al uh, Yes. Steve Clark. Yes. Dennis Wise. Yes. 
Poyet. Yes. Petrescu. Yes. Viali. Keep going. Hughes. No. Uh, would we have, uh, I've said 10, so I need one more player. I feel like Zola didn't start, so I'm going to say Di Matteo. Di Matteo did start. This was the team. You I've, got pre- a lot, I've got more right for that than the bar- when we lost 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've pretty much got it bang on. You had Ed De Hoy in goal. Frank Sinclair at right back. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling to this. Yeah. You had a uh, well. This was the back four: Frank Sinclair, Steve Clark, Graham Lasso, Andy Myers. Yeah, Andy Myers. Midfield of Roberto Di Matteo, Dan Petrescu, Gustavo Poyet, and Dennis Wise. Yeah. Zola and Viali were up front. It was Zola. The three substitutes that came on. Now I'll give you bonus points. You did get flow, but I'll give you a bonus point if you actually get the final two. Oh well, I actually didn't say Tor Andre Flo. Um, you so did. For that. You did say. You did say Tor Andre Flo. Did I say Flo? Did I? Yes, you did. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm enough. sure you said it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, well, if 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 I didn't, then I'm gonna say that I would have anyway. Um, <laughs> um, no, then I'm going to say. So I'm thinking that Viali might have got taken off. I said Mark Hughes, and you said no to that. So. But based on that, I'm going to say people would have come on. I think Desai would have come on. No, I don't believe he was actually in the squad. Maybe we hadn't even signed him. Um, why do I keep going to Desai? I'm trying to think back. Uh... Think of youth players. Danny Granville. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I got that from Danny Granville. I had Mark Nichols in my head and all sorts. Plenty of blue shirts forward. Oh, that's a miscue by the zoo. Petrescu in off the post. But what a good first touch to give himself room. Wise to Sinclair. And he may spot the Poyet's free on the back post. Watson saves the header, but not the follow-up. It's the first Chelsea goal for the Uruguayan. Chelsea are absolutely buzzing at the moment. Here's Petrescu. Viali's gone through the middle. Oh, what a glorious strike by Viali! He didn't even break stride. Viali! Watson blocks it, but not the follow-up header. Some of Chelsea's football at the moment is an absolute delight. They're popping up all over the place. Here's Dennis Wise. Viali's free for his hat-trick! What a moment of satisfaction for the player, so out of favour last season. Dennis Wise looking for a target. Flicked on by Poirier, Watson palms it out, here's Viali again! It's number four for him, it's six for Chelsea, and it's a cruel lesson for Barnsley. Right, let's sort of quickly preview the game, uh, Chelsea-Barnsley. We are expecting 11 changes you think he'll be a whole whole set yeah, of players? Yeah. yeah, I think that a lot of players will come out of the squad. Um, I think one or two players may play for a bit of fitness, perhaps. Um, I think I feel like he may play. I think he may play Zuma and Christiansen again. I think he sees them as their two centre backs, and he wants them to have as many games as possible. And with Christiansen being injured, he doesn't expect it to be a particularly 
uh, injured about being being suspended. Being suspended, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you might even put them two together. It might surprise us. I think. Yeah, like obviously there'll be like a lot of changes and stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Obviously, I still expect us to win and win well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Really, be interesting to see what he does. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if he actually went the other way and gave Zuma a break and played Tomore and possibly Rudiger. And we should it's actually interesting with Rudiger, isn't it? Well, I just want to actually touch bases with that as we are sort of recording this on the Monday. There are rumours actually that Rudiger is not happy at Chelsea, and the speculation that I've heard is the fact that he he was a bit po'd, he was a bit pissed off that he wasn't actually in the starting lineup yesterday. He wasn't actually even on the bench. I'm not saying this as sort of uh, out of fear, but do we, considering there is about two weeks left of the transfer window, do you believe Rudiger will stay? Um, at the moment, it's very up in the air. Um, now, considering Frank, that tomorrow... Frank, Frank said he's fit. Um, no. There's no reason for him not really to be in the squad at the minute. Is it, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a ponderer. I mean, it's, it is a bit odd. I suppose that, you know, Rudiger will want to play first-team football. If, if Rudiger isn't being, like, told, yeah, you know, like, if you're fit, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be at least given a chance straight away. You know, if, like, Rudiger would expect a chance before his form came, if that made sense. He, he doesn't want to have to wait for the opportunity to prove himself. He feels that he deserves a chance to prove himself as soon as he's fit, which is maybe right, perhaps, um, if he's not going to be offered that, maybe he will leave. I'm not sure. If he does leave, then I have no doubt that that would mean that Declan Rice would come in. That's Interesting. What, that, that's what I think would happen. I'll be shocked if Rudiger does leave. At um, this stage. Purely, so, so at, at this stage, based on the fact that you know this has sort of come out of nowhere, but it might just be us... You know, talking out of our asses, but speculating. I understand exactly. And you know, we don't want to be like talk sport, whereby we're speculating twenty four seven. We certainly do not want to be like Arsenal fan TV. But I do, I I do actually believe that Aspilicueta will start. I I do, I do actually think that he might give Reese James a bit of a break. Yeah. Um, and the likes of Tammy Abraham, Hudson Odoi. Well, you know, wouldn't surprise me if they lost this cheek and Barkley. Yes. 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 And who knows? You know, you don't know what the situation is with the. We might see. Players. I was going to say we might. We might. We might see. We might see Pulisic come on. We might see Havertz get half hour. We might see. We might see Werner get twenty minutes or half an hour or something. We don't know how Frank's thinking of playing it. So. It will be interesting. I think there'll be there'll, there'll certainly be a strong enough team out there that we should, you know, win the game and win the game well. Just one thing to sort of conclude on this topic. Do you think for Chelsea, especially Frank, do you think he should take the League Cup seriously this season? I think all trophies should always be taken seriously. Yes. I think that you play your strongest 11 available, right? So, I mean, sometimes... If you're playing Champions League games and then there's a League Cup quarter-final against, you know, another Premier League team, yeah, OK, so you're going to rotate the team, but you're rotating your first team because your first 11 is very rarely your first 11. It's only really Liverpool that had a, a squad of 13 or 14. Usually you have a squad of 16 or 17. So you would find that if 
for a League Cup game, even if you are going to make seven or eight changes, six of the players that are coming in are on the cusp of being in the first team, and then you have a few of the outside players that come in. I think you can understand and expect that. But I think it has to be taken very, very seriously because it's a, it's a tournament that if Mauricio Pochettino at Tottenham like once or twice would have taken it a little bit more seriously rather than focusing on getting in the top four. He could have created a winning mentality, which is what Jose Mourinho has tried to do and succeeded several times at lots and lots of clubs. First trophy he won at Chelsea. What was it, Keith? What, Jose Mourinho's first trophy? Yep. The League Cup. It was the League Cup. Yes. And it all started from there. It just goes to show... Um, and and the FA Cup can be equally as important. I think that the FA Cup was like Wenger's first trophy and, you know, things like the FA Cup was Ferguson's first trophy and um, and things like that. So, like, cup competitions always have to be taken massively seriously, I think. That's I cool. agree. So, yeah. Surely Pep's first trophy was a League Cup as well. Now that, that I'm going through it. Yes. No, that is I, correct, yes. Now that I keep on, keep on thinking it, like... Didn't we actually technically, technically as well, didn't Ancelotti actually win the FA Cup in the Premier League backwards? Wasn't that one of the seasons that the FA Cup was before the season finished and we beat Portsmouth 1-0 and then we beat Wigan the next week 8-0 to win the league or something? No, no, no. It, it wasn't that season. We beat Wigan... It was the one way around. Good question. I don't... No, I, I don't think it was. I do know there was one year whereby the FA Cup didn't was... Finish. No, 2012. Ah, uh, yeah. 2012 was the FA Cup uh, final against Liverpool. We won that game. No, the season had finished. Yeah, but the season had finished apart from the Champions League. The Premier League season had finished a week before. No, because... Yeah, see, because, was it not? No, because we played Liverpool a couple of weeks after that at Anfield and we lost badly because Ross Turnbull was oh, in goal. Oh, that is true. Yes, that is very true. Yeah. They've probably got the ump because you keep slagging off Chris Sutton, I think. No, 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 no. It's because you question me. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Let's move on uh, from this. Just one little bit of transfer news that uh, sort of swept under the carpet a little bit. And there's probably a reason for that. Uh, Davide Zabacosta has left the club on loan. He's gone to Genoa for the season. Um, he actually scored yesterday, believe yeah. it or not. He did score on his debut. Well, so, a bit of a uh, good luck he's charm. Frank, he's taking it over there and it's working, you see. Well, uh, just a quick thing I was going to ask you, really, um, before we move on to the next preview. We've loaned him out again, but do you believe we should have maybe looked at it more long-term and decided, you know what, we should cut our losses. He's not going to get in front of Reese James anytime soon and get rid of... Well, I mean, I don't know. When it, when it comes to the business that we do, apart from the, the Kepper business, um, it seems like we always end up doing very, very well. So whatever they decide to do, I kind of have the faith and trust in the club to, to handle that because they've handled it so well up to now. Well, I would like to sort of say as well that... Good luck to him, because yes, last season that. at Roma, he didn't play many games. And the reason for that was, I believe it was either pre it was either pre-season training or it was a pre-season game. And if somebody does sort of give out the right answer, then please do. That he actually picked up an ACL injury 
early on in last season, so he, he hardly played. He was unfortunate, yeah. Yeah, so good luck to him for this All loan. All our players that go to Roma get fucked before they go there. Pedro got mullered and all, didn't he? Yes, yes, you're, you're absolutely right there. Um, so we're, we are near the end of the show, but because of this is the uh, only episode we're doing this week and we've got two games coming up, we're now going to preview the West Brom game. It's a huge game. Really, really huge game. I'm expecting three points. Yeah, it's a must win. Yeah, I'm expecting three points. I'm also expecting that to be the game where Werner will get his Premier League goal. And again, depending on what happens with this Mendy deal, I have heard that it's all signed and sealed. It's waiting on the club to announce it. Because apparently um, I heard through the grapevine yesterday that Wren have taken him off their squad list. He is actually yeah, they, yeah, Ren announced it. <laughs> yes, Ren actually announced it um, yesterday, I believe, yeah. before their game. Yeah. That Mendy's gone. So it is just a case of us announcing. So I will expect him to play on uh, Saturday against yeah. West Brom. But for me, uh, my friend, that is a that is a must win game. Yeah, absolutely, it's a must win game. It'll be very interesting. Like you say, unfortunately, we're not unfortunately, obviously we record this on a Monday so that we can get the podcast out after the game as soon as we can for everyone to listen to because I know that a lot of people have been commenting on social media and thank you very, very much for that, by the way. I know a lot of people have been commenting saying when the, when's the next one out. So we kind of don't know where we're at with injuries and stuff like that. We might know a bit better squad-wise who's going to be available and stuff, but it doesn't matter who is available. Our team, whoever's available for Saturday, yeah, we should be beating West Brom. It's a must-win game. I do believe that we'll win. Um, I think that it could, like you said, I think Werner's going to get his goal. I think he'll be a bit too hot to handle for West Brom. I think, yeah, like, you know, I'll be, you know, 3-1 with a good performance sort of thing. But, you know, a better performance than it was against Brighton. I don't want to be coming on here and saying, oh, yeah, West Brom were actually the better team. And, you know, their left winger was the man of the match. I want to be saying, well, yeah, West Brom just couldn't handle it, could they? That's what we want to be talking about this time next week. Totally agree with that. Totally, totally agree with that. And it'll be interesting as well because there are some you know, big games coming up you know, for us before before and after the international break. Because after West Brom, we have Crystal Palace yeah. at Stamford Bridge and that's going to be a tough one. But we're, we are going to end the show today on a bit of a lighter note. We are going to announce that we are looking to improve the Blue Day podcast. We are looking to expand the Blue Day podcast. So we announced last week that we have our YouTube channel, which, Warren, could you just uh, announce at this present day, at this present time, how many subscribers, how many views we have had on that channel? Because the videos that have been uploaded within the last seven days, you know, the views and the subscribers have been pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in just, I mean, in the week or so that it's been up, we've had, uh, I think the last time I checked, we'd had somewhere around about eleven or twelve hundred views across all of our videos in total. Um, a couple that sort of um, have been viewed more than any more than any others had a couple of comments and stuff. I think we've had twenty six subscribers in the week, which was more than I imagined because other YouTube people that I speak to tell me that you know if you can get 
50 subscribers in two months, then you, you're providing good content. You're providing content that people want to watch and stuff like that. So to have got 26 in the first week is absolutely fantastic. And so thank you very, very much to everyone that subscribed. Also on YouTube, there's a YouTube channel that's quite literally called Jake Cooper. So, you know, spelt as it sounds, he makes a lot of Chelsea content. Um, he does a lot of football manager, and he does he's a big Chelsea fan. He? He's a big Chelsea, big Chelsea fan. fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, his content—he's a really, really nice lad. I've communicated with him quite a lot in the last week or so. He's a really, really nice lad, and he's a very, very genuine person. And his channel's really, really good. But, you know, get on there. He's got a lot of content to do with Premier League predictions and stuff, and some football manager on there and stuff. And it's really good content. So yeah, thanks very much, Jake. He's been—you know—he's bigged up the uh, Blue Day podcast on. He's channeling the comments and everything, so thanks very much for that. I'm sure we've got a couple of subscribers from that. So if you are big on YouTube and you are big on Football Manager, then please find him on there. But if you're also big on YouTube and you like watching YouTube videos over TV, and why not, because there is a lot of shit on telly at the moment, then please find us on the Blue Day podcast at YouTube. Also find us on Facebook, where we will be uploading some more videos onto the Facebook page as well as YouTube. But we will be announcing today... Before we will set it up, but we are going to announce today as we are recording that there will now be an Instagram account of the Blue Day podcast. And what that will entail will be pictures from both my own personal account and my co-host's personal account of pictures where we've been at Chelsea, memories that have stayed with me and will stay with me forever, you know, pictures of me with uh, ex-Chelsea players so it's an Instagram page where I'd also it would be fantastic for people on the social media platforms if you want to upload your photos on there then get in touch with us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com and I will add them to the account so we are looking to expand the the I hate to I hate using the word but brand we're trying to expand the brand of the Blue Day podcast. So we have our YouTube channel. We have a Facebook page. We also are announcing the Instagram account. And we are also in discussions with certain people that will come on the show very, very soon as guests. Um, I will not name any names yet. And I won't name any establishments yet. But we are working very, very hard to get some fresh vocals some fresh sort of content on the show for your listening some, pleasure some unique some unique out some we might be getting there's a couple of people in particular that may give you a unique insight into chelsea and a different perspective of chelsea and stuff like that and perhaps stuff that you might not find so readily available anywhere else as well so you know we might even get one or two exclusives or something you never know so it's it's really really exciting times so Really, really stay tuned for that. I think there's some going to be some really good stuff on the way. Exactly. Perfect. So, ladies and gentlemen, Chelsea fans everywhere, from New York to Bombay to Sydney, yes, we did lose yesterday, but let's stay positive. Let's stay positive for Correct. Super Frank. Let's stay positive for the players. Yeah. And let's keep that blue flag flying high. So, ladies and gentlemen, to sing us out, as always, it's Harry J and the All-Stars, Carefree, everybody.
Social Podcast Network.